Okay, well, here we are back for the re-reboot of the Anti-Film Film Club. Excited about this new re-reboot because of our new co-host and my awesome, amazing daughter, Sydney, is going to be joining us for co-hosting, right? Yeah. Going forward, are you excited about that? Yep. Are you you excited about the podcast or are you excited about making money from the podcast? Um, A little bit of both. (laughs) Yes, I'm paying her to do these episodes. So (laughs) So we're rebooting the Anti-Film Film Club. Um, Zach is going to continue to be a guest host, but because of his availability, he has a new son, which is about to turn two has been taking a lot of his attention, which rightly so, but uh, we'll definitely have him back on at times and we got nothing but love for him. But we're excited about this father-daughter jam that we're creating now. And what an appropriate way to kick it off, looking out for the little guy, right? What what film are we reviewing today? Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Quantumania. <laughs> Do we need to get you some caffeine or you, you seem a little sleepy? Well, I just woke <laughs> up from a nap, so it'll kick in. Theme is kind of the father-daughter theme of Scott and Cassie Lang and Scott trying to get time back. So brief introduction. Uh, my name is Eric and I've been doing AV and video production and audio for quite some time. And actually, Sydney's been watching quite a few movies. It has a really good grasp of what works, what doesn't. Um, Storyline, plot, pacing, a lot of the things that go into filmmaking, acting, chemistry, and all the stuff that, that works. And I'm really excited about this because you're bringing a fresh perspective from your generation and... I'm bringing a different perspective from my generation and my experience. And I'm really excited about the dynamic. I'm excited about how in learning from you, what things land well for you, what things didn't. And, uh, and yeah, let's briefly summarize the plot of Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania. What would you, how would you summarize the plot? Well, what happened in the last movie? What was the ending? Well, that's a good question. Well, I mean, for for the most part, they went and they rescued Janet out of the quantum realm. Okay. Right? I mean, that yeah. was that was the gist of... And then they had issue with the ghost and that whole thing, right? The ghost mm-hmm. being the the villain-ish, right? And we'll, we'll unpack the villain in this. But <laughs> what would you say is the basic plot for this? What, how would you summarize the, the story? Um, Cassie uses the satellite to the quantum realm and then they get pulled inside and then they're basically searching for each other half the movie mm-hmm. and then they meet new characters and then they find each other and then they find a mysterious guy right the new villain yeah mm-hmm. and they have to defeat him Right, so it's introducing a new villain, 
it's yeah they had they've had experience with janet's had a lot of experience with because she was there for the equivalent of 30 years mm -hmm. but it's interesting because in the quantum realm there isn't really any time or space so though she aged in the earth realm how would she <laughs> age in the quantum realm hmm things that make you go hmm anyway yeah let's dive into the story um and let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses of the plot. Now, this was written by Jeff Loveness and Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby's a bit of a comic legend. Um, going back, working with Stan Lee on a lot of the Marvel stuff. Uh, but interestingly enough, worked on a lot of the DC stuff as well. So um, some of the things film-wise that, uh, you know, his writing's been... Um, Harley, Qu Harley Quinn, Guardians, Holiday Special, Wakanda Forever, Black Adam, She-Hulk, Eternals, Guardians, Endgame, Infinity War, Justice League, Ragnarok, Spider-Man, just to name a few. But his titles in the comic world go back decades. So a lot of these characters, he's really shaped. So he's a bit of a legend. Um, so Jeff working beside him with his characters has worked on shows like jimmy kimmel rick and morty in the oscars and some others but this is kind of his first at least according to imdb his first foray into cinematic feature so plot wise what do you think works what do you think doesn't like what's the strengths what's the weaknesses of this well i don't know what strengths i don't know i don't think there's any weaknesses Hmm. Okay. You don't think there's any weaknesses in the plot itself? I don't think. Yeah. I mean, you brought up something that was really interesting the other day was with the satellite thing and they get sucked into the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. But once they got sucked in, they were just like, -da -da nothing else got sucked in. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did the even... rest of the world keep getting yeah. pulled into like, this? Nobody like a, questioned it. Did it implode? Like what was happening there? Those are, those are, things that people might think are plot holes right yeah um does it need to be discussed or, or does it need to be portrayed um some of those things are just left unanswered um and some people might consider that a plot hole i didn't really think about it and mm -hmm. it wasn't until you brought it up where i was like oh yeah that's a good point i think you know quantum mania builds on characters that we already know right we already know who scott is we already know who um hope is and the really the new character that's introduced or characters is kang and you know some of these characters in the quantum space but yeah i don't i didn't i didn't feel like there was a lot of um issues with the with the storyline or the plot at all mm -hmm. all right so let's let's so we both agree that the plot the storyline is pretty good there's something else that you mentioned the other day um which it was cool because opening weekend we we saw it first here in town on thursday and then we drove six hours to the fan event in in la in hollywood at the el cap mm -hmm. um and got to experience it with, you know, all the nerds and the people in the film 
and uh yeah that was pretty cool so we've seen it twice mm -hmm. right um and then what was it that you had mentioned that that you felt that was and in regard to uh the pacing you do you remember um it was too fast hmm what do you mean by that? What do you mean by it being too fast? Like, there was no moment that it was kind of just like peaceful or silent. It was just like going consistently. Mm. Yeah, and I didn't think about that at the time because, you know, you get kind of caught up in all the excitement. I really didn't think about it when we were at the El Capitan. But when you mentioned that, it, it made a lot of sense because it felt like it was like from one scene to mm -hmm. the next like boom 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 and there was no um like the rhythm was really high the whole time and i think um maybe like why it's like this because they're in the quantum realm and there's just so much happening so i mean there's always like a lot to look at on the screen yeah so as far as like all the different CGI and the, mm -hmm. the, the world itself was was like overstimulating maybe maybe a little bit hmm yeah I thought uh, I, I thought definitely you were you were onto something there with the pacing because the pacing did feel like it was it was a sprint like they were running full speed the whole time from start to finish and you know for over two hours doing that feels a little exhausting mm -hmm. <laughs> um and you know i think having those moments of 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 breath or reflection or just pauses to kind of take it all in are may, make for a better edit if you will um and I think that's why part of it's been getting a lot of negative reviews, right? What did you say that it, it was ranked? What was Quantum Mania ranked in the MCU? It's it was ranked the second to worst film, next to Eternals. But now it's tied. Now it's tied with Eternals. It's so. tied. Okay, here's an interesting thing. When you said that, I was like, ooh, and Etern I liked Eternals. But yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, but the problem was is that we had no relationship with those characters. Yeah. Right. There's nine characters. They they introduced nine new characters and they tried to de to develop the characters for nine of them in one film is it's mm -hmm. like trying to do the first three phases of the MCU all in one movie. It yeah. just doesn't work. Um and the formula that they've they found in that first three phases has been really good um but yeah uh ranked tied <laughs> as the worst mcu film with eternals um do you agree with that or do you disagree with that i disagree you disagree yeah like i don't think it was were like i don't know i mean the MCU has a lot of good movies, so it's hard to compare, but it's definitely not the worst. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. I'm like, 
And here's the other thing. So I, when you told me that, I went and I looked at Rotten Tomatoes, and Rotten Tomatoes had a 47. Mm -hmm. um, the Cinescore was like a B, and which is one of the lower scores in the MCU films. But here's the other part that's interesting to me, is that so for President's Weekend, it was opening weekend. It made it netted over one hundred and twenty million dollars at the box office, which was one of the biggest President's Weekend releases, um, and the biggest Ant-Man franchise release. And so I'm really curious to see this this weekend to see if it holds what the box office draw is and if it can still hold the number one position because right now it's the number one film now it's an mcu film there isn't a lot of other competition film wise um, in this type of film that they're competing with right now but like for thor love and thunder which Man, I love Chris Hemsworth and I love the Thor character, but two of the four Thor movies didn't do that well, in my opinion. And it dropped off. So Love and Thunder dropped off 68% from opening weekend to the next weekend. Aww. That's a massive fall off. So I'm really curious to see what happens uh, this this next weekend. So um yeah i where would you rank it where would you rank quantum mania in in the mcu and you can rank it i mean it's the first movie for phase five so this is kind of we're in a new phase now but up to this point where would you where would you put it um i think next to shang chi Mm, mm hmm. Maybe I don't know if I'm above that, but I don't know. Maybe a little above that. I don't know. Okay. And I like Shang Chi. Shang Chi was it was a, a new character introduction into the universe, which is great. And though this one wasn't, other than Kang really being the main character being introduced, but yeah, I think Shang Chi was probably one of the best films of the phase four behind spider-man of course you know i have i'm a little bit of a fangirl when it comes to spider-man um um all right well let's move on from the pacing and let's talk about character development we've talked we've been talking about introducing new characters but this is the third installation of the ant-man series um with these characters and the audience relationships already been developed um, so really the new characters here um, is Kang primarily. I mean you can you could say that the quantum realm characters we have a little bit of an interaction with um, but so as far as the character development for this particular, do you feel like that that Kang, as an introductory, in an introductory character, in this particular film, do you feel like that his, um, the develop his development in this was good? Well, I guess I just like the way how they introduced him mm -hmm. as like 
oh, a person who was, um, like, crashed and landed and needed help to get home, and, like, Janet was helping him, and, like, we all thought, well, I don't know if we all thought that he was a good person, but I didn't question it. I just thought, like, oh, she's helping mm-hmm. someone get home. And then I was taken back because I didn't know he was the bad guy when we <laughs> first watched it. So I was shocked. I was like, he's the enemy? So I like the plot twist. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, it's interesting because the, that opening scene when he crashes, what happens? He saves Janet's life. Yeah. Right? He kills whatever that creature was with the gun that she dropped. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a little disillusioned trying to figure out where he is. Um, um, and he was committed to following through on his word. Mm-hmm. Right. He was he was having integrity, saying that he was going to help her get home as well. Um, and he didn't seem like this. Like evil person. Mm-hmm. Um. He didn't just like show up with an aggression and start to kill her or something like that. Yeah, it's interesting because we do see him. He plays He Who Remains in Loki. Do you remember that? No, I you don't remember that. Loki. You didn't finish Loki. Okay, well, like this has been episodes. a good episode, <laughs> and uh, I guess this is the end of the re reboot <laughs> of the Anti Film <laughs> Film Club because Sydney hasn't seen the end of Loki. Apparently, I'm doing parenting wrong. <laughs> so anyway, if you watch the end of Loki, which you need to go back and do, that's your homework. Uh, we see Jonathan Majors playing a character called He Who Remains. And it's kind of post-Kang wiping out all the other variants of Kang. Um, at least that's the way I understand it. Um, so yeah, you mentioned the plot twist. Uh, we're going to throw out a spoiler warning here really quick, just to let people know if they're listening and they haven't watched it yet and they don't want any spoilers. This is your fair warning spoilers ahead. So if you haven't seen it, stop this podcast right now, go back, watch the film and then come back to the podcast and join us again for the rest of this episode. Because there are spoilers ahead. You have been forewarned. All right, plot twist. What was the what was the plot twist you mentioned? Um, that he was the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And he had wiped out timelines. Mm-hmm. Well, we kind of knew that though. We kind of knew that going in from the trailer. But what what made it twisty in the movie? What? The end? Well, like, where? when did he not... When did he cease being a guy of good character and become this evil overlord? When Janet messed with his ship and, like, made the orb thing. Right, the power core. Yeah. The, the uh, multiverse power core thing. And it was neurokinetic, so when she touched it, what happened? She saw his thoughts and everything that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was what? What did he do? That. Uh, killing people. Yeah, I wiping think. out all the yeah. timelines, right? All the variants. 
Um, and so she got terrified and realized that, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah. Right. Or so she thought. Right. What was some of the things that you, you were making a comparison of him that like and Thanos? <laughs> well, they're just portrayed as the enemy because they're doing actions that are like, oh, you can't do that, like killing people, but they don't look at the reason why they're doing it. Like he was cutting off those timelines for some reason. I don't know, but I know that he needed to get out so he could stop all the versions of himself from doing something bad. But the comparison to Thanos is that he was killing like half the population because he needed to balance out the world or else everybody would have died. Yeah, so. the whole universe, yeah. right? Yeah. It was all these other worlds and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that makes it really interesting, right? Because the, the thing that Thanos stood for or what he was trying to accomplish was actually something that was good mm -hmm. but he's portrayed as this you know just this ruthless evil person or character because of his approach of how to accomplish balancing the mm -hmm. universe right maybe there could have been a different approach um, and maybe they could have worked together to figure out that approach right and yeah because there was something that when because kang was trying to save the primary timeline from all these variant alternate timelines that were destroying the entire multiverse right so he was trying to preserve the thing is yeah. that why he kept bringing up like the circle or not the circle, but like this straight line and mm -hmm. he kept saying, I see how it ends or like something like that. Right. Well, it's interesting too, because like when, when we, when, uh, right in the beginning of the film there, Scott's upset because Cassie's in jail, <laughs> Cassie's in jail because she's, you know, an activist she's doing, you know, she shrunk down a police car and so you know mm -hmm. she's using the tech and she's trying to make a difference which is cool um but they kept it from scott and so they had this you know over dinner they were having this whole kind of heated discussion mm -hmm. um and you know uh hank in i don't know if hope was in on it. did you feel was hope in on it yeah. I don't remember. Janet yet. wasn't. Janet wasn't. Um, and Scott wasn't. But they were letting Cassie kind of, you know, explore and, you know, do do things that they probably should have all been on the same mm -hmm. page about. Um, but Janet was very closed off about sharing her experience and what happened in the quantum realm. But when they sat down, when they sat down to... Um, to dinner in the quantum realm when they went to see that that guy um uh where lord what's his name Kryler? Yeah, Lord Kryler showed up right before that when they're sitting there 
Janet starts to open up about the quantum realm, right? And she's telling the story about how she was a freedom fighter. And then mm -hmm. he's like, you were a freedom fighter? And then she says, well, I was either a freedom fighter or a terrorist, depending on who you ask, mm -hmm. right? And so, which was an interesting foreshadowing of the what what Kang was going through, right? Because it's perspective and it's context, right? Janet was a freedom fighter to help people. I think, was she helping the quantum people against Kang? Because Kang was developing this whole empire thing. Well, I think the quantum people were mad at her, or at least the people who lost their homes. Because right, because she left. Yeah, and she left and she made Kang the conqueror, basically, because she left him there mm. and she fixed the core and gave him the suit back, back the suit at and least some of the yeah. power that he needed and yeah so they were a little upset about that but she was on their side initially it felt mm -hmm. like but it's interesting right the the idea of she made a judgment right she was telling the story and she's worried about you know her family or whatever making a judgment against her for what she might have might might not have done and and yet she made a judgment on kang based on you know these memories that she saw but without context mm -hmm. so she didn't have the context of oh the entire multiverse is gonna explode or implode or whatever if if he doesn't take care of all of these variants that that were spawned for whatever reason so let's talk about that that scene for a minute um lord krylar who plays lord krylar bill murray bill murray that was pretty amazing when he showed up right because i expected kang i expected it to be kang <laughs> really when the ship showed up because they were supposed to be going to like because kang was looking for them and they're like mm -hmm. Hey, you know, we need to, they need to go find him. They're trying to find the rest of their people. Um, was Bill Murray in the trailer? There was a trailer that did get released that Bill Murray was in. Um, but you really didn't know to what extent you didn't know what, um, what character he played or mm -hmm. whatever, but I thought it was cool that, that he was in there. Um, but he showed up and then like they have a discussion and then he dies right after that. <laughs> right when, uh, who was it? Was it Janet that threw, or maybe it was Hope that threw the, the pin particles that grew the little thing that he was eating in the drink. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then it, it, and then it ate him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's talk about the production a little bit. Let's talk about, uh, um, you know, the visual effects, uh, the cinematography, the DP on this was Bill Pope, who also did The Matrix. He did Shang-Chi as well as Spider-Man 2 and Akita, Battle Angel. I forgot about that movie. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking we should go back and watch it and then do one of these um, on that. I really enjoyed that film. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, what, what do you, what, what was your feeling you made some comments about you know there was a lot going on earlier 
Um, but what what do you, did you feel like the visual effects work? Did you feel like they were? Did you feel like the world that they created with the cinematography was great? Like what? How did you feel about that? Yeah, I thought it worked. I thought the CGI looked like good. I didn't think it was bad or cheap or. Mm -hmm. I mean, they definitely have a budget to make it look awesome, right? Yeah. But do you think that that uh, it supported the story or do you think it distracted from the story? I think it supported the story because the whole thing was supposed to be like in the quantum realm. Mm -hmm. So I think they made it work pretty well. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, one, one scene that really hit me when Michael Douglas is interacting with like this bubble flower thing when they first yeah when they first there. got there and yeah. he's he his mind is totally blown because when he was studying the quantum realm he couldn't see that yeah. deep into it and you know and janet explains well you couldn't see past the void and the, whatever the thing was but just the way he was interacting with it looked so realistic like it like he was really like it was really happening mm -hmm. it was having some kind of reaction the whole landscape of, of everything made you feel like you were actually there mm -hmm. um but like you said i think part of it did it support the story yes absolutely but there were so many there was so much eye candy to look at right there's so much stuff going on um and one thing that I didn't think about before that hit me um, as I was thinking about it a little bit more was is that that's probably how they felt, right? Like because the of characters in the story, the characters in the story being in this um, in this realm with all this stuff going on, they it was like. They were so overstimulated, right? Because of all the home. stuff. I mean, it made it made. So I would imagine um, that's how the characters felt, and they did a really good job making us feel that way. Yeah. And I think for some of the people that are giving the 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 film a bad rating or whatnot, are feeling some of these things, and they're not recognizing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they're they're saying, well, you know, this and that and, they're, and they're, they're they're being critical of different things. But I think in that regard, does it make you feel uncomfortable? Yes, because of all of this. Um, but I think that's what the you know, they're making the audience feel what the characters feel. And I think if you can do that, then that's really good. Mm -hmm. You made a comment about music. What, what was that? They didn't have, like, not good music, but they didn't really have any music at all, I feel like. Like pop popular music. Yeah. Like the Guardians. Yeah. Like right. They didn't have staple songs mm. that made you remember, like, oh, that song was so good in the movie, and mm -hmm. it was perfectly placed. Like, I didn't remember any songs being played, except for the first scene and last scene right which was what the welcome back song yeah the welcome back carter song from the tv show welcome back carter that was in the 70s um and you were kind of giving me an eye roll when i was singing it because <laughs> <laughs> i started singing it in the theater you're like okay that's enough yep <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I think that there there is the underscore because Christoph Beck, who also did Frozen, Ant Man, Free Guy, Hawkeye, WandaVision, to name a few, um, he was actually there, mm-hmm. right? So it was him. It was Stephen Broussard, um, Kevin Feige, um, the actress that plays Cassie. What was her name? Catherine Newton. Catherine Newton and. And who else? David Dasmachian. Yep, Ma- Davis Doe yeah. Ma- Machian. I don't know how to say his um, last name. Uh, yeah, Davis Dasmachian, I think. Uh, forgive me if I'm saying that wrong, who played Veb, and he was there. Or mm-hmm. or, as, or as we refer to him as... The Baba Yaga The Baba Yaga guy. guy. <laughs> From the first one. Yep. Um, and it was cool to see them all there and have them be there. But Christoph Beck, I think, did a great job with the, the underscore, the underscore, yeah. the sound design, um, and you know, making creating the sounds and the scores that you would feel like were going on in that realm. Um, but I agree, it would have been nice to have some kind of um, because like. Black Panther had some great songs, right? The Weeknd and and who else? Rihanna. Well, Rihanna. She just did the one yeah. that just Wakanda Forever just released. Yeah. But the first Black Panther was yeah. really good with SZA and right. Kendrick Lamar. Yep, Kendrick Lamar says, and it it was. Gr- I mean, obviously, Guardians has like this real rich soundtrack and is actually part of the storyline which is cool so Um, do you think that because they didn't add like any staple songs that they didn't need to they didn't feel like it added to the story yeah i don't know i don't know i think it would have been nice to have some i mean Mm -hmm. music is such a such a big part of of life right and and i did see that you know they have hollywood records is the label that serves that disney owns and a lot of times they'll release the the soundtracks and stuff on there and i did see some songs on there but um from walking away from watching the movie it it didn't really um stick right it didn't it wasn't uh, memorable Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah, what do you think about what do you think about the the editing and the direction, right? So it was directed by Peyton Reed and it was edited by Adam Gerstel and Laura Jennings. Um, and I do have IMDb here, so we can pull up. Peyton is known for Bring It On, Ant Man, Ant Man the Wasp, and Ant Man the Wasp: Quantumania. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> the cheerleading Dr- movie. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I like that one. Um, uh, Mandalorian. He directed two episodes on the Mandalorian, and that makes sense. The entire Ant Man series, and Yes Man, the breakup, um, and a number of other TV series. Um, uh, so yeah, he's had quite, quite the career starting all the way back into 1988 um let's see 
nominated for Best Director um, at the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Ant-Man. Was nominated for um, Entertainment and Cultural Documentary for Information on First Look. Um, Dragon Awards, Georgia Film Critics Association winner for Ant-Man. Um, nominee for Hugo Award and Mandalorian shared with John Favreau um, and a number of film festival nominations as well. So he's had a great, great career. So let's let's break down uh, the direction and the editing on this. Yeah, I think it's interesting because from the point of the director, right, the, the point of the director is is to tell the story visually, right, utilizing the script utilizing the 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 crew the dp to make everything look great um and sometimes they're involved in the editing process sometimes they're not but they're also giving feedback to the actors when they're filming the scenes that's probably the biggest role is hey did they get the did they get the take that they wanted? Mm -hmm. um, and they're they're assessing kind of the acting in that space. And sometimes in a lot of the MCU films, the directors will let the actors like do their thing, right? And they're not too overbearing. Um, and there there could be some that that are overbearing and. And you hear different stories and whatnot, but I didn't feel like that was the case here. I felt like he let the actors act, um, mm -hmm. right? Because they're cast. Obviously, we already have this specific cast. Um, but there are a couple of moments in the film to me that that I don't that 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 didn't serve the story or the scene well. Which ones? Um, and I mentioned this before. It was when Janet. Oh, um, the acting. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, the acting with the directing is so closely, like, it's closely knit. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of personalities and egos and stuff of that nature, right? Michelle Pfeiffer's a great actress. She's mm -hmm. been in a lot of things and, like, you know, how do you, how do you direct or how do you give direction in with some actors, Michael Douglas having the experiences that he's had and the career that he's had. And like, you just kind of let, let them do their thing. Right. But sometimes you got to give direction. And I just felt like there's a couple of times where Janet's staring off into space yeah. right and then you don't know how she's feeling yeah like you don't like it was just is is she okay like <laughs> right i she mean looks like she's got something to brew in, in right her stomach right and it was so <laughs> like did she just did the train come off the tracks and she's <laughs> She's you know thinking. what I mean? Yeah. It, it And so it was a moment where it kind of took me out of the story. Mm -hmm. It took me out of, out of the film. Um, 
so there was that and um the other one was in hope's character i felt like for the most part she seemed like she, it was really more of a supporting character in this role she didn't have yeah she kind of got left out a little bit yeah there was um but it looked like she wanted to fight everybody all the time <laughs> Right, really? like every time they're having some kind of dialogue, she's ready to knock somebody out. To me, it was like, okay, why? <laughs> like, okay, if you're if you're if you're powerful and you know you're a badass and you can kick some ass, that you don't need to like get in that fighting position stance, and stay right? in like, there for like five minutes. Because, you know, you kind of assess the situation and then you can react yeah. to it. And especially with the powers that they have, with the pin particles, they can make themselves really small and avoid all kind. you know, or mm -hmm. they can make themselves really big, you know. So that, that also kind of took me out a little bit where I was like, <laughs> like you just wanted to fight everybody. And there's a lot of fight scenes and that was, that was appropriate. Um, but, uh. But yeah. How about for you? What were and then maybe we can just kind of blend that into the acting, right? Going into the acting performances. Um and the chemistry. Right? Like how did you feel like the acting was? How'd you feel like the chemistry was? I thought the chemistry was good. I thought the acting was good, but I agree with the Michelle Pfeiffer thing. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't realize that at first. But because I was just like, oh, maybe she's looking for something. But <laughs> <laughs> when you did that the last time, I was like, oh, that's pretty funny because I didn't notice that. But yeah, I thought all the other acting was good. And yeah. 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 I felt like the chemistry because the chemistry was already previously developed. Mm -hmm. Right. So you brought back all the same actors, which is great. But um, not Cassie. Ca right. Okay. Um, yeah, what happened there? Well, they decided to use a different person from the last Ant-Man film when he came back from the blip and saw her for the first Which time. Which was actually Endgame. It was Endgame? It was Endgame, yeah. Oh. So, because the opening of Endgame is Ant-Man coming back. Really? Yeah, and in, in the San Francisco, and he's in the... Um, he, he gets blipped back into the van. Oh, yeah. And like the garage. The, yeah. Because yeah. the rat hits the thing and yeah. then he gets pulled back from the quantum realm mm -hmm. because he wasn't actually a part of the blip. He, he was, was just in the he quantum He was in the quantum realm, realm when all that happened. Oh. And he just ended up coming back post snap, you know, Thanos snap. And yeah. then everybody's and gone. And that's when he was looking at like the thing with the names on it right from all the people that disappeared Mm-hmm. and they didn't well they didn't use the same actor from the first one because i don't think she was old enough to portray like how old is she well i think cassie is the original actress from the first, the first one, one? Yes. Are you sure? And I think she's also... Well, I know she's the actress from the second one. Okay. She played Cassie in the second one. Um, but uh, let me look it up. Um, 
I thought it was a different actor from the first one. They don't have her listed on the first on the first page. That's kind of lame. Um, <laughs> Abby Fortson was yeah. the, was the fir in the first one. So it in was a different actress. When was Endgame? When was when did Endgame come out? Um, Endgame was twenty. I want to say twenty eighteen. So that was three years. So 2019. Yeah. Oh, four years. I don't think she would be old enough to right. portray yeah. an older version. Of right. Her, so. so they used, so they used, well, let's see if they had her in, I think, um, Catherine was the one in Ant-Man 2 and mm -hmm. Wasp from 2018. Uh, no, actually, Abby Fortson played Cassie in the second one as well. Oh, yeah, because so, that was released. So Catherine is a new actor. 2018. So this is the first time we're seeing her? Yeah, and Emma Furman played her played in that character Endgame. in Endgame. And then... They uh, changed the actor. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, and I think that's one of those things that really... Uh, that Because the first three... Now, there's different characters that got replaced in the MCU, right? War Machine started out being Terrence Howard in the first Iron Man. He got replaced in the second Iron Man by Don Cheadle. And Don Cheadle's been War Machine since. Mm -hmm. um, the Hulk was... Um, shoot. I'm seeing his face. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Wait, there oh. was a different Hulk? Yes. The Hulk wasn't... Mark um, Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo originally. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward Norton played the Hulk. What in the world? Yes. Ed Norton and Liv Tyler were in The Incredible Hulk in 2008, which was a reboot from Eric Bana playing in 2003 um i could not imagine that so ed norton was the incredible hulk originally in 2008 which w was released the same year that iron man was um but he got replaced by mark ruffalo when they rebooted that was a good choice um i i liked ed norton as the hulk as far as his acting in his character and it, it worked but so there's there's examples of where we have different actors mm -hmm. right that and i learned replaced. that in school i think it was in english when they like replace something that is known and people get upset i forgot what the word for it is oh what is that there's a word for it it's like because my teacher showed um an example when people were doing like when the new um, Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie came out and mm -hmm. they changed the actors, they're like, not my mo not my Roderick mm -hmm. because the Roderick guy was not the same guy. Right, yeah. So they were mad, which is, me too, I was mad. But I don't know what the word is, I forgot. That's a movie? No, I'm, at, I'm <laughs> talking about the name, like feeling disappointed, right? I don't know. Because, so there's disillusion, dismayed. 
inconsolable, disenchanted, disgruntled. None of those words. Those are like describing words. I don't know. Maybe there's not a word for it. And they just told us that. But I mean, there could be. Yeah. But like that's like that's a thing. Yeah, it is a thing. And I think that and so you're building a relationship with a character, mm-hmm. right? You're building a relationship with this and the actor that's playing the character is the one that's delivering all the emotion and all the connection mm-hmm. with that character. Um, which is why Paul Rudd does like he's Ant-Man. If you change Paul Rudd as and put someone else in Ant-Man, you're going to have an exodus from that franchise. Like, I'm just like, ah. Like, yeah. I almost didn't go see the Batman because it was... Because of Robert Pattinson? Because it was Robert Pattinson. Because I was... And, and Batman is a... DC is a classic example of this. They change the actors yeah, all frequently. the time. How many Batmans have there been? Michael Keaton. Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Um, uh... Ben Affleck, um, and now we got Robert Pattinson and Pattinson and, and Val Kilmer. So we've got you, you got six, eight different Batmans going on. It's like, well, who is it? Like, and I like I like Val Kilmer's Batman. They all bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's where DC has gone wrong for so many years. Is is that they keep changing the actors for the same character role um i kind of like that just because it's like really the only thing i know from dc about mm-hmm. batman like oh there's different batmans and everyone's like oh who's your favorite batman it's kind of like a fun thing but they don't really do it in other movies so yeah yeah i mean i yeah i <laughs> so but because Marvel has done such a great job keeping, keeping the, the same actors over a decade, developing that rela- audience relationship, I think that's a big part of the formula why MCU does so much better at the box office than mm-hmm. the DC movies. Now, now we're kind of diving into Marvel versus DC, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I love a lot of the DC stories and grew up on that. So I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying, just saying the relationship. And, and so I was a little disappointed that it wasn't, um, that it wasn't Emma Furman playing Cassie because that's who I saw as the older Cassie Mm -hmm. from Endgame. Now, I don't know. Maybe she was working on another project. Maybe she wasn't available or I, I don't know what the situation is with the casting there. Um, you know, because sometimes the actors are on different projects and aren't available and I get that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think bringing those people back is is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Jonathan Majors. How do you feel like his performance was? I thought it was good. He sold me. Yeah. Yeah. He it didn't seem too forced or anything. Mm -mm. Especially at the end credit scene when he had all the different ones. I liked how he like made them different voices and right. It was cool to see that. Yeah. Um, he is. I think we're gonna see a lot more of him. Definitely. Um, And not just in the MCU, but just an amazing actor um i'm excited about creed 3 
which is he in that? He's fighting Michael B. Jordan. Wait, you see the he's, other guy? He's the other guy. Yeah, and I didn't know if, that. if you remember in that tree, he's like super jacked too. And I was like, oh well, I, didn't I guess realize that was him. Yeah, yep. Wow. And um, just, just amazing. Like he really sold the, you know, you know where where is this place? Where am I? You know, yeah. and you know I'm here to, like, he sold us on him being a having good character mm-hmm. and being a good guy and and then there's this darker side to him and just the range of emotion that he went through and that he displayed like when he was kind of pressuring Scott to you know bring back the the core the energy core or whatever yeah. it was for sh- like that like yeah he just really did a great job I thought was really awesome let's be honest what was your biggest disappointment when we went to the El Cap theater that Paul Rudd wasn't that there Paul Rudd wasn't there yeah how did you feel like Paul Rudd's performance was I thought it was good yeah honestly I don't think he gave a lot but I'm fine with it Paul mm-hmm. Rudd is Paul Rudd so. yeah he's funny he's yeah. uh charismatic um I felt like you know, I, I like the inner dialogue that he had. Um, At the end, when he was like, yeah, what he's did I do? when he's yeah, he's kind of going back and forth, and then he kind of blows it off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering if there's something strange going on. Because at the end, when they're eating dinner after they've kind of defeated Kang, and you know they've gotten home, and everybody's back to normal, and um, now he has to pay $12 for his lattes <laughs> now. Uh, there's that moment where things just didn't feel settled or resolved. You know, when he's taking the bite of whatever the food was and he was like, Ugh, like it didn't taste good. And it was like, did something get scrambled in, in his DNA from the, the quantum realm? You know, like he got some kind of COVID virus or something or uh, like something isn't right with the universe. That's how you felt when they're at the dinner. Yeah, there's just some some odd things there that didn't seem to sit right. So I'm wondering if that was intentional, mm-hmm. if that's a setup for something. Um, but yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, well let's 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 move on real quick and let's just tag uh, some of the themes and then this um, and then we'll wrap up. Um, how do you how do you feel like they treated the themes and explored the different themes of of this film, right? So you have the father daughter dynamic, you know. Um, She's throwing shade at him in the car, right? And he's yeah. like all butthurt about it. And and she was like, Oh, I didn't mean it that way, but you know, I mean I felt like that dynamic in the in the car there and even just how he was reacting to learning about, you know, her being in jail and these different things and um and then the moment where he's trying to teach her how to 
jump punch or whatever mm-hmm. it was um, that uh, the theme of of judgment without context um, you know was Kang really a bad guy um, which we kind of unpacked a little bit already uh, the family dynamics of hiding things from each other and what Scott did was just try to help himself and get out of there instead of helping the people in the quantum realm. Like mm. Cassie was saying, like, you need to do more right. for others. Right. Do you remember the line that she said that was really potent? Maybe not exactly. Well, you what remember she said, just because it isn't happening Does, to you doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's, it's not, not happening. happening. That's true. That was More s- people need to know that. Yeah, that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um that was really good. Uh, you know, we can just drive by homeless people and not help. Mm-hmm. Right. We have five dollars that we could give them and people don't. And some people don't help because they're like, oh, well, they're just going to go take that five dollars and they're going to do drugs with it or whatever. You know, they're going to mm-hmm. go get drunk or something. Maybe they just need to go get a, a hamburger, yeah. you know, because they haven't had anything to eat. Um, and I think. You know, just those types of themes were definitely um, written into the story. How how well do you feel like those were treated? I thought they were treated well. I thought they were executed pretty good because, like, of how he ended up helping them and, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really a tricky thing, too. Because there's nothing that really is like great to me personally when I feel like it's you're jamming your agenda down my throat, right? Like if you're um, like I have an agenda, like just different films will portray things in a certain way to kind of force you to think a certain way which I don't enjoy, like present mm-hmm. the present both sides and let me decide, mm-hmm. right? Present what your thoughts are and let me, let me unpack that. Let me meditate on that. Let me think about that and form my own opinion as, as opposed to, you know, forcing your opinion on. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that was the case, um, mm-hmm. but there were, there were some great themes in there and, um, yeah, that was inspiring. I mean, it was obviously there's activists, you know, Cassie was an activist. You know, she was talking about how the cops were clearing out the homeless people out of the park. Mm-hmm. Right. And for what purpose? And that's kind of a that's a problem. That's I mean, homelessness is a problem all over the country um, and in some places more so than others. I mean, what? Even when we were driving to L.A., I mean, how many tents did we see? Um, Yeah, interesting. So Darren (laughs) ends up being MODOK, um, which is a mechanized organism dedicated only for killing. Designed. Okay, designed only for killing. Right. But it was hard to take him serious. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. We had this we had this realization as we were leaving at the same time. Right. I think we're going to the drive through and Chick-fil-A and um, we were on the highway. Were we on the highway already? You were on the highway. Okay. Okay. So we were on highway heading back. And what did what did we realize at the same time? Who was Modoc? 
Mr. Electricity Dad from, <laughs> from Shark, Shark Boy, Boy and Lava, Lava Girl. Girl. Wait, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Mr. Electricidad. I could not get that out of my head. I'm like, <laughs> he is totally Mr. Electricidad. And I don't and know other if... people thought that too, because then it started being trending on social media. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah, it is funny. And I don't know if Mr. Electricidad originally was, um, if he was originally adopted from modok because he was kind of a villain mm-hmm. right he and was the villain he was the villain in shark boy and lava girl and but so Linus they're both villains and they're both got like these massive face head thing you know with these little <laughs> tiny appendages which is really really funny in in a lot of ways um it was hard to take him serious mm-hmm. you know he's chasing cassie and was threatening her and you know she she was fearful of him at first and running away from him but like she really had the power to yeah pretty much wipe him out and she did <laughs> and well, yeah and she, she checked him in yeah um and like i thought his character was brought more humor than scott's character did yeah there's more, you know, he's like, oh, at least I get to die in Avenger. Because <laughs> <laughs> he turned, you know, he had, he had a part in Kang's demise at the end there. Yeah. Well, I guess you're going to have to watch the movie and find out. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, Modoc. Modoc was probably the biggest hit in the film as, re- as far as reactions in the yeah. theater. Um, people just lost their minds. And, um, but his story arc, like Lord Krylar's, was very short. Yeah, I mean, at least it lasted out through the whole movie. <laughs> right. So let's summarize. We've been we've been chatting here for a while and um, breaking this down. If you were to summarize the strengths and weaknesses of Quantumania, what would those be? Like, what are the things it does really well? I like the the acting together and the CGI, the visual effects were cool to watch and they looked real so that was good. Yeah. And the storyline and King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me I think for me, um I've had a little bit of superhero fatigue in the last phase, like phase four. Um, though I'm I am a bit of a MCU uh, nerd um, so yes I'm a little bit of a fanboy when it comes to that but for this particular film it's given me um, it's given me hope for phase five mm-hmm. like I'm like okay if if this is the start and we're gonna go from here I think this is a good place to start and excited for Guardians 3. Yes, 100% excited for that. Though I'm a little nervous because... He's not going to die. You keep saying that, but, you know, I've heard this is the last Guardians and Nebula's... Cry- they're all crying and she's carrying him as if, you know, he's dead. Well, Star-Lord's dead. Come back to life. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. And thanks for listening and make sure you follow us on Instagram, 
And add us on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, cool. I don't know if we're on Facebook. <laughs> I know we're on Twitter. Are we, though? Um, Are we, though? Yeah, hit, hit like and subscribe in the YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And, and follow us on TikTok because we'll be posting. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I'm down if you're going to create the TikTok version of that. that. I'm totally down for that. And we have some cool footage from the event if you want to use it yep. or whatever. However you do that. You know TikTok really well. I don't know it much at all. Anyway, thanks for listening. And that'll wrap it up for looking out for the little guy, <laughs> Ant-Man Quantumania. See ya. Bye.